Hello and welcome to Get <laughs> no Lit. Really? So As, exciting. The yeah. energy. Did you like the that? energy is up this week? Uh welcome to You Don't Know Lit. Welcome. Welcome to Welcome Lit Hudson. Oh wait, that's not part of the script. Sorry, Joe, you just when you before we started recording, you were talking to me about how it's holiday season and like you're all pumped mm. for like the holiday season, and that got me pumped <laughs> for this episode. So, hey, that's what I do. If I do nothing else on this show, I like to think of myself as the hype man for you don't know. Let like I you're like the flavor flavor. Right. I come here. I tell you what time it is. I tell you what time it is. And guys, it's holiday time. It's holiday season. Maybe instead of a clock, you could have just a big book. But that that would be a really cool uh, chain. Like I want to know why rappers don't have a big book on their chain. Do you guys know about book chains and how books used to be chained up and stuff? So back in the day, um, people would uh, libraries would chain up the books that were particularly either expensive or frequently used because books had a way of walking off. I'm talking like four or 500 years ago. Books were very expensive. Books had a way of just disappearing because people would take them. And so uh, there are a lot of like big old books that were chained down so that you couldn't just take them with you when you left the medieval library. Right. And you can still find I've, I've handled books that don't have the whole chain on them, but they've got like the, 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 the rivets on the cover where the chain was attached. It's pretty great. That's pretty good. It's kind of like the pen at the library, but higher stakes, but you know, yes. Yeah. I could see books being really expensive and we're not talking hand transcribed here. It's not like a monk was locked away in a monastery, right? No, no. But back in the day, like paper was paper had to be made by hand. And so you had, there was a lot of, a lot of physical labor in hand printing something and a lot of, um, money invested in the handmade rag paper that they used. So yes, they were, they were still pretty expensive. Uh, and Nick, I have an update as well before you get into the total intro. Um, I'm looking at rappers chains right now, and it turns out that <laughs> slick Rick does in fact have a chain with a book on it, which is, right. it's pretty good. I think the book might be the Bible, which, you know, whatever, it kind of makes sense, but, <laughs> uh, but it is a book. Slick Rick here is also wearing a pink eye patch, which I don't know if that's a Ooh. prescription eye patch or like a pirate costume or what's going Probably. on. Probably. Yeah. There are a lot of prescription eye patches these days mm-hmm. you just see them everywhere and this week i'm looking for the best book <laughs> called anne of green gables and to help me are two mouthy high school english teachers <laughs> ian and joe hey they don't make us english teachers because we're not good at talking uh, nick hi nick my name is joe holshu i'm a high school english teacher and this week i did not read anne of green gables i've never no. read anne of green gables instead i read a bunch of stuff about Anne of Green Gables writer Lucy Maud Montgomery. Uh, more, more on her later. Uh, my name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. I am a high school English teacher, uh, not a Canadian, though this book makes me wish I were. And this week, I am the only person to have read L.M. Mon- Lucy Maud Montgomery's, I guess we're calling her by her full legal Christian name, mm-hmm. Lucy Maud Montgomery's international bestseller, classic of children's literature and of green jables mm, right Gables. international sensation the yeah. jable book may your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders hey the plot doesn't fucking matter at all this is what i think it's about if you look closely <laughs> enough every author was at some point a race. 
racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, 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 <laughs> The subject on this book, if you Google it, is Little Orphan Girl. Oh, okay. Can I talk about this for a second? <laughs> How is that a subject? Is that a subject of books? Oh, because classic Little Orphan Girl hold books. Hold on. I'm, this could be a theme. This is a thing. It should be okay. a theme. Okay. How many red-headed orphan girls can you guys name? Like, in literature. Because there are... Annie. There's a bunch Aunt, of them. Yeah. Aunt, Little Orphan Annie. That's one. Anne of Green Gables. That's two. Any more? No, but you've named the ones that everybody knows. Are there more? Pippi Longstocking. Um, her mother yeah. is dead, and her dad yeah, is lost at true. sea. Uh, Madeline, uh, little little oh. Madeline. Does she have red hair? She does. It's it, they describe her as having red hair, but it's like not as defining of a feature and right. as some of these others. And um, I learned here that Anastasia, the lost princess Anastasia, is frequently depicted with red hair in stories about her. So, redheaded orphan girls, future theme. <laughs> Little orphan girl books. Wow, what a I, downer. What a downer well, theme. No, no, subject. no, 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 no. Absolutely Orphan not. girl on the train. Little women. The, orf- the little orphan girl. Or uh, orphan a- orphanage, the butterfly girl, orphan girl. That one's just called orphan girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, These books the the whole like trope is they it ends up well like right. v- very rarely if ever is the little orphan girl like and then the say, social safety net let her down and she died in the gutter <laughs> because she was starved you think all these have happy endings no they're like smart and and like uh uh Plucky. plucky that's the word i'm looking for they're like smart plucky. and plucky and they like learn to face the hard world on their own through their kindness and wits yeah, well, maybe that's how some of them go, but I just scrolled down to Anne Frank's diary. Well, and not. I don't think they all go eligible. that way, guys. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> welcome, Litheads. You don't know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, strongly, strongly podcast, where every week we pick a theme sometimes and Joni <laughs> and bring a book, and we pick a we pick the we pick the best book that they bring. It's super fun and cool. So. Uh, but we're not doing that this week. We brought one book exclusively to celebrate the beautiful, uh, wonderful birthday of our author-ish. It was her birthday, and, I think, last week or something. Uh, Nick, do you remember the author's name without looking? <laughs> <laughs> You're a real bastard sometimes, you know that? <laughs> it's, great. I, it's great. I love, I, by this time in the podcast, I can hear the... Um, what you might call the vamping in Nick's voice, where he <laughs> of course her name is um, Lucy. Her name is yep. Lucy Maud Montgomery. That Maud's going to yep. be important. I want to. I want to talk about that Maud. Oh, oh for I feel like Joe. Very nice. You Joe. just read. You just read her her autobi- her biography, and you're like, oh, this is also essential. This is essential news about mm-hmm. Lucy Maud Montgomery. Maud is an acronym for. <laughs> yes, hold on, yes. Let me get her it. Middle name is an uh, acronym. You got it. So, uh, oh, oh, well, sorry, gentlemen. We also have rules. Oh, please. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Check yourselves. Rule number one: only unavoidable spoilers. Okay. Rule number two. So keep that in mind. Try to spoil. The middle name, Maud Joe. It's not a spoiler. It's her name. Rule number two. Another rule for you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Only. Wait, hold on. Rule number two. 
<laughs> omit, omit needless, needless words, words joe <laughs> <laughs> trying to omit that rule yeah and rule number three of course irrelevant once again winning isn't everything it's the only thing um but not this week because we're not going to have a winner because there's only doing one book so what the fuck sense would that make so um and the, the of course yeah. we don't have a winner but <laughs> we do damn. have our usual <laughs> shadow rules and they are well why don't you sing them with me mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh canada oh our home and God native land. land we stand on guard for thee very good. Okay. Did this you guys the, know this is the most Canadian, Canadian book we're bringing since Mike Myers? Like yeah, for sure. All, I think this may actually be more Canadian than Mike Myers because wow. holy cow, this is so Canadian. Did you guys know? I want. I want to say one thing about uh, the Canadian national anthem, which somehow we didn't get to when we talked about about Mike Myers. Do well, I have your permission a lot to cover? You, you have my permission. I don't know if you're looking uh, Nick, for mine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You Thank don't need you. mine. Well, I I always do like to ask for consent. <laughs> anyway, um, so. <laughs> I was uh, researching because I wrote down what I thought the Canadian national anthem was for the Shadow Rules, and then I got nervous and had to double check it. Uh, Turns out there are two officially approved versions of the Canadian national anthem. One is in English, and it's the one, the kind of boring classic one about, you know, we love you. You're so nice, Canada. You were just singing, yeah. Yeah, And then there's the French version. Which is right. not a translation of the English version. Oh, it was. It's a be. separate version. And the separate oh, version says perfect. things like, We will wield our sword for thee. And <laughs> we to, we only are virtuous enough to bear the cross. And it's extremely different. That sounds like a very French Canadian thing, doesn't it? Like they're so <laughs> proud of their otherness. Yeah, we're that special, they're probably we're like, different. Yeah, they're like, You guys write a national anthem. We're going to write our own national anthem. And by the way, it's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be way better than yours. We're going to have swords Upstaging. in ours. Upstaging. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm excited to hear about this book. I got a first question for you. Um, I'm just doing an image search of Anna Green Gables, and there seems to be a whole cast of characters they cast this book. <laughs> Good question. So are, is there pictures in this? or It's been... It's been um, Turned in, it was turned into a very, very well-beloved, I believe, series of films mm. in the 80s and 90s, which people swear by. And then there's... the decades. There's also a um, Netflix show that mm. some people liked quite a bit and some people thought was absolute trash. Mm. So there's been, there's been a lot kind Division. of... Division. Uh, yeah, a lot right. of kind of... Uh, um, a lot of a lot of adaptation of this because, as you mentioned, in international sensation. All right, I have just a gut check here, or level set, or whatever term you'd like to insert. Mm-hmm. Um, gut set, gut set. Let's just gut set it. Um, I have no idea what this is about. I think the main character's name is Anne. Good. That's I don't good. know. Is it, does Green Gables refer to like a gabled roof? Like like green roofs? Is that what they're talking about here? Um, yeah, a gable is a gable is that little thing. You know how in a classic house, it's kind of a a, a pentagon. You've got the floor, you got the two walls, right. and you got the the classic peaked roof. But then mm-hmm. sometimes there are little pokey things that come out of the oh, roof that are like they look right. like miniature houses themselves. Tri- triangles? Yes, pokey triangles. They're called okay, gables. Kinda. I just wanted to stick to shapes. Yeah, Good. yeah, they're called gables, and like they're kind of. This is the upstairs. These are like separate kind of rooms. So this this is a farmhouse. Oh, um, that's got yeah. green like 
trim and at the house because like good houses have names. This house is called green Gables and, um, uh, she lives in the East Gable and it's very cozy and stuff. Yeah. It it sounds cozy. Those little windows that extend, you know, and you got that whole little corner, that nooky corner. It's like, um, it's like the joy of having a, uh, an attic when you're a kid. I don't know if, I don't know if you guys were here like at this ever at this stage, but there was, for me, there was a phase when I was like, if we'd be staying at somebody's house or like, I don't know, visiting someone and they had an attic, Mm -hmm. which was a legit cool attic, which was like mostly just for kids. Yeah. That was so fun. Cause it was like, Oh, you had to get up there. Yeah. You you couldn't just let there be an attic in the house without exploring it. Like it was one of the tasks for the day. So she lives, I mean, she's not in the attic, like Harry Potter in the broom cupboard. It's a whole, like it's a whole level, but, um, Nick, if you want, I can tell you what this book is about. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'd very much like that. I think that's going to be pivotal to this episode. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me give you a 30-second plot, and then you can ask me questions about it. Here it is. Do you want to say your time has started? I was just thinking of my, if I was a book, I would be Mm -hmm. called Nick of, uh, Nick of uh, Basement Full of Radon. (laughs) (laughs) They have mitigation systems for that. It didn't work, Joe. That sounds like a post-apocalyptic parody. Or present, or present day. So yeah. anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, go for it. I want to hear about the book. Okay. So here's my 30-second plot. A brother and sister, farmers in northeastern Canada, adopt an orphan boy to help on the farm. But the orphanage sends a girl by accident. And Anne is no ordinary girl. She has a head full of melodramatic imagination, an affinity for long words, and a tendency to speak her mind. In L.M. Montgomery's classic Anne of Green Gables, We watch Anne and her adoptive family grow and mature. And yes, this is a Buildings Roman. Oh, exciting. Everybody clap for a Buildings Roman. It's one of our favorite genres. Yeah, it's the best genre. It's it's a pretty good one. (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) Wow. Sounds like wacky hijinks are about to ensue on this one. Many hijinks. Mm-hmm. Oh my sounds goodness! Precocious. Who's this book for? Do I have to be a twelve-year-old go- girl to enjoy this book? You you don't. So when I first read this, I was fairly I was I was a fairly young boy, and <laughs> you were a twelve-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was I was young. I was I was a kid, and I had this in my mind that this is a girl book. But I had lit- literally read everything else in the library, so I was like, well, I guess I'll read this girl book. And it's really not. I think it's it's a book. It's a book for anyone who is a child or who has been a child. You know, when I was reading reactions this week to this book and like what people thought of it, it really reminded me of Georgette Heyer, where there were a bunch of people that never read this book, obviously, right? Like with any book, but people who have read this book, like people who grew up with Anne of Green Gables are they're devout. Like they're absolute yeah. loyalists. They're like, yeah. oh, Anne of Green Gables, the most important book in my life. I would yeah. not be who I am today without reading this book. Well, and it's in part, I think. Yeah, and I should I should probably clarify that I don't I don't believe in girl books. I don't think that's a real thing. Lit has just you know I don't really think like that. I was just kind of trying to distance there. yourself from, from yeah. my uh, my childish yeah. misapprehensions. I don't, but yeah. I think open your mind, lit heads. There are some books that are clearly designed with a gendered like there there are books that are written for audiences written to be for you know like. I don't know. Young adult fiction is a thing. And I think it's a legitimate question. Like, is this, is this a book for, for kids? And I think 
I it's it's like those it's like those Pixar movies that you know a kid is gonna love it, but when you watch it as as an adult, it's gonna hit you on a whole different level. So there's oh, stuff right. in this book which I totally, I mean, I, I knew it happened. I understood narratively when I was a kid reading this, I understood narratively it happened. Like, and there's a big thing that happens at the end, which I will not spoil, but there's this big moment at the end. Um, a couple big moments actually, which I understood as a child, Oh, this is happening, but I didn't grasp how big of a deal they were until I read yeah. it as, um, uh, uh, an adult. And I see yeah. like, this has meaning. This has this has like literary merit. Mm-hmm. It's got layers. It's yeah. got layers. I like the Pixar analogy, right? Like like it hits different as an adult. Hey, before Ian gets too far, can I? I just have a few bullet points about Lucy Maud Montgomery that I think might set <laughs> the stage. And this is good because I I know very little about her. Awesome. Yeah, this comes to you in, in 25 bullet points. No, I, I'm just kidding. I just have a few. <laughs> uh, uh, she was born in Prince Edward, uh, born and raised on Prince Edward Island in Canada. Nick, I think you've been to Prince Edward Island. True or false? Have you really? Uh, well, it's a long story. Um, but basically, um, uh, we were going to go. And so we told everybody we were going. Uh-oh. But wait, wait, the- wait, 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 wait. I thought you went. Nick, have I been lied to? No, you probably just weren't paying attention to the follow-up story. So let me let me give it to you one more time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it happens to the best of us, but one of us, I'm not even gonna say who. It's either my wife or me. Or your child. Lost their passport. Um and the day before the flight, we had to change our plans entirely. And we ended up going to Bangor, Maine to uh hang out with um Wait, is this where the Stephen King counter happened when you hit him with your car? Yeah, that's right. Nice. This is amazing. Nick, I, I actually do remember this story now. I apologize. Awesome. Destiny. Uh, yes. Book destiny. <laughs> Thank uh, you, um, Nick, for losing your passport. Because without that, you would never have hit Stephen King and never have um, prompted him to write his best-selling memoir on writing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go listen to that episode, Litheads. All right. Her mom died when she was two years old. Her dad left her in care of her grandparents. Um, she wrote like all the time growing up, like, you know, she kind of grew up in this, this rural existence. She spent a lot of time reading, a lot of time writing. She always wrote in secret because she was afraid that the people in her life would discourage her. But she started sending out like manuscripts and poems pretty young. Um, she was published for the first time at 16 years old in a, in a newspaper, a local newspaper. Uh, she was trained as a teacher. She didn't like train. She didn't like teaching very much, uh, but it gave her a lot of time to write. So she was kind of okay with that. But once she started making a regular income from publishing short stories, uh, she quit being a teacher. <laughs> she was like, ah, well, oh, no, guys, what do you think? <laughs> Stephen King had a similar story arc. <laughs> Are you going to be like, um, who is the, who is the, oh man, who's the one author? Cormac McCarthy. No, the one guy who wrote the 8,000-page book and then uh, OD'd. Oh, yeah, David Foster Wallace. Oh, no. David Foster I, Wallace, he was a since teacher. He was, since he was credibly accused of sexual assault, I really don't want to be him. Whoa. Oh, whoa. Really? Yeah. Foster <laughs> yes. Wallace facts. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, that's not I great. I did not know that. BFW, sorry. Wait, is that, is that legitimate? Yeah. What? Uh just kind of not talked about since he died. Well, yeah. I, I mean, like when, after he or came out after, after he, he ended his life, it's like, okay, well, I mean, clearly he was going through some stuff, but also like, ugh. anyway, Hey, this is not about David Foster Wallace. 
Joe, do you want to tell us more about this person and every single I, moment of her life? No, I don't have many more moments. I, I actually do have a lot more, but I'm only going to hit one a couple. Time. Um, she published Anne of Green Gables when she was 33 years old. And it was, you know, you always hear these stories where like I sent it to all these publishers and it was rejected by all these publishers. Um, that was the case. She then kind of put it in oh. a drawer for a couple of years. <laughs> Dusted it off. You're going to say that wasn't the case. No, no, no. Sent it out <laughs> again, uh, and it was an instant bestseller when it did get uh, when it did get published. Um, a lot of the publicity around this book, because like she would go and do book tours and book talks, they kind of painted her as this like quaint, nice lady from Canada who mm. just wrote about what it was like being in rural Canada. And Lucy Maud Montgomery didn't really like that. Like they kind of painted her as this. Um, like, oh, this woman wrote a novel and it went really well and it was her first time doing it. And she's like, yeah, I've been working my ass off for like years at this point. Um, this is not overnight success. I am not a quaint lady. I am a my own woman. Um, over her life, she wrote 20 novels, published 20 novels, 500 short stories, Dang. something like 20 essays, two poetry collections. She also wrote an autobiography. And this is my favorite totally aware of her fame in her life, like she was the first Canadian women, woman to win an OBE, totally aware of her fame, she started recopying her journals in 1920 and editing her life yes. so that it was how she wanted yes. it remembered. So, Control the narrative. Oh, that's what I would do. That's it's what I would good. do for sure. Con controlled the narrative. She was an extensive diarist, like had like years and years and years of diaries. But in 1920, she rewrote them selectively. <laughs> she deleted some old tweets. Yeah, functionally. <laughs> that's so good. Yep. I, I didn't know either that she was the first woman to get an OBE. That's that's a, a first Canadian woman. That's a big deal. First Canadian woman. Yeah, big deal. Absolutely. Wait, so, OBE? Uh, it's the order of the... I actually don't order, know this. Order, order of the, the British, British Empire. Something. It's like a it's like a knighthood kind of. It's like the lowest level. She's a knight. knighthood. So that's it. I have more, but that's the, the and, those are the highlights. Yeah, and OBE is a Serbian word that also means both. <laughs> both. This has both. been Thank your you, weekly Serbian connection. Tune in every week <laughs> to hear connection. Nick say Serbian words and probably <laughs> mispronounce them. He's a huge racist, <laughs> but we let him stay around anyway because he's just so darn cute. <laughs> It might be Obi. I don't know. <laughs> what um is this book kind of like? I feel like I'm getting uh I'm remembering another book that we did kind of similar to this where it's like a young kid doing wacky things and like getting at adventures. Is it like adventures around the farm? Um, Joe, do you relate to this? <laughs> <laughs> is it like, is this, is this Huck Finn? Are you thinking of Huck Finn? Is. I don't know. Um, yeah, you, I think it doesn't matter. Too. That's an interesting question. I think some of this book is kind of episodic. It's like, Oh, here's a chapter where the, the girls get up to some hijinks and here's a chapter about like their, their life in school and how funny it is. But there's, mm -hmm. it, it is a buildings Roman. So it does kind of build and it, well, that's where it puts the build and buildings Roman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Yeah, there there are shenanigans. Um, I think before before we get into like the 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 overall build, I want to introduce you to the three characters who really matter. We have Anne, who is our main character, and she is, as I said, very imaginative. Um, she likes using long words. She talks a lot, and she kind of like says things. She just sort of says spunky, funny things to. You know, it's like a classic, you know, like the, the kid says, speaks the truth and everyone's like, oh, but they kind of know it's true. Um, so she's like that. Um, then there's this brother and sister who adopt her. Um, the brother, Matthew, is really shy and a big old softy. And he's kind of like um, he 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 spoils her a little bit. And then Marilla is Matthew's sister and she is sensible and sarcastic and kind of her arc in the story is she grows. She's at first. She's like, this isn't going to work. I can't like this child is too much for me. But over the course of the book, she grows to love and, and it's not like, Oh, it, it's kind of goes up and down. She loves her like pretty much from the jump. Um, but we, we get to see how interacting with Anne helps Matthew and Marilla kind of grow as people themselves. And so, yeah, what's it about? Tell me about the character. I don't know who this person is. Who's Anne? Well, uh, she has red hair and she's read a lot of Mm. books and um, she uh, she kind of lets her imagination. She she, uh, she comes from this sort of this sort of sad orphan background where she was like helping out this lady who had three sets of twins and the father was the father in this house was alcoholic and they were super poor and she was kind of like living with this family to help with the kids and just, it was miserable. So she comes from this negative background into green Gables, which is so nice. And so she just flourishes there. And this, the book, the book follows her. Yes. Getting into scrapes and hilarious times. Like she gets her best friend drunk by accident and she's making a cake instead of putting, um, instead of putting vanilla in, she puts a nasty tasting medicine in the cake and, poison Uh, (laughs) so like there are these shenanigans but the kind of overarching uh story is she is growing up um and this is i think part of the beauty of this story that this we get to watch this character kind of gradually turn from i mean she's a little bit shallow she's a little bit flighty she certainly is just she makes these mistakes she she um she has a vicious like a really strong temper and um, makes some kind of snap decisions that end up hurting her in the long term. We get to see her grow from this kind of wild child into a mature, not quite adult, but like she's getting there. You can see her growing into an adult. The cool thing about this, about Anne is that she is not a Mary Sue. Do you guys know what a Mary Sue is? A Mary Sue is basically like in fiction when an author puts an idealized self insert Mm -hmm. into the story. So it grew up this as a term. I yeah. uh, kind of grew up from 1970s era Star Trek fan fiction. Um, but the point is, like it, it's it's kind of grown as a as a descriptor beyond this. To any time a character and an author writes a character who is just like the best at everything and super strong and very wise and kind and funny and just basically the best at everything. Yeah, Ian, have you ever read Patrick Rothfuss? Books no, I actually no? haven't. Like he's got like the. They're great, but that's a common like uh, complaint that people lodge against them. They're like, hey, this main character is just kind of awesome at everything. Right. Like he's the best singer and he's the yes. best writer and he's the best like swordsman. And then he learns Kung right. Fu and he's the best at like loving women. And then and he, he like he, they're, they're like people like that. 
To save the castle, you have to play this extremely arcane game from the Far Lands. And he's like, good thing I studied up for it in my spare time. And he goes and wins the yacht. Yeah. Yes. So Anne. I've been spending this time building the resistance to Iacan powder. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Wesley is a little bit of, not really, but kind of. Um, a little bit. Yeah. So, but the best thing about Anne, I think the, the coolest thing about Anne is that. I get, I get the reference. It's Princess Bride. Ah, Princess Bride. Anyway, the, the coolest thing about Anne is that she is not a Mary Sue. So she is smart and funny and everyone not everyone. A lot <laughs> She's of terrible at everything. A lot of people like her, but <laughs> Montgomery is like insistent that Anne has flaws and she shows them to us. So Anne is flighty. She is very, very like imaginative to the point where there's this little forest area and she convinces her best friend that it's haunted. And the two of them, and she convinces herself that it's haunted. And then the two of them are too scared to walk through it at night. <laughs> and so they have this like crisis where they can't walk through the woods at night because they have the stories they've told themselves have become too real. I think the book treats her charitably, but honestly, which is kind of, it's, it's a cool thing. That's kind of rare. Um, can I give you a couple early reviews that came out of this book? Um, yes. I have two conflicting ones that were pretty good. Uh, the New York times, when it reviewed this book, kind of, they gave it a pretty tepid review. They did not love it. And they said that Anne, like the protagonist here, was, quote, altogether too queer. Like, altogether, like, a little bit too odd of a child. Mark Twain, on the other hand, and I love that Mark Twain was still alive when this book came out. That blew my mind. He said that Anne was the dearest and most lovable child in fiction since Alice. Which... That's, that's a, a pretty nice compliment yeah, that's years. Mark Twain. Yeah, that's awesome. I think part of the, the the fascination of this book is how it deals with childhood. Um, it mm. recognizes that childhood is is fleeting, it's passing, and it sort of celebrates the beauty of those wonderful, magical childhood moments and also embraces the fact and kind of deals honestly with the fact that those don't last forever. Yeah, it's I I mean, reading around this book, which I mostly did this week, it's it's really can't be overstated how impactful it was. Like I have a quote here from a New York Times article, and it was talking about the impact of this book. And it said Polish resistance fighters in World War Two took this book to them with like to the front, like it was issued by the Polish government to soldiers. The novel became part of the Japanese school curriculum in the orphan filled post uh, post war 1950s. A television show based on the series aired in Sri Lanka. And the book is, of course, like preeminent in Canada, where Green Gables is taught in school and featured on postage stamps and as a cultural export matched like by hockey and the Mounties, you know, like like it's like this book is a big like important deal what's this book about why that seems like an odd that seems like an odd uh group of people (laughs) (laughs) well i I guess what strikes me about it is like you know when they talk about it in um in japanese school curriculum they kind of make the connection of hey in the 1950s there were all sorts of orphans in japan that could really use a hero, like could really use like an orphan Mm. kind of making good. Um, When we talk about like, you know, Polish resistance fighters and Sri Lanka, I don't know the connection there, but I think the universality of it is pretty cool. This main character is a person who has to deal with dreadful circumstances and she sort of 
in a very extremely happy coincidence gets out of them and has a great, wonderful, happy life. It's aspirational. It's del- it's, 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 it's escapist. It's she escapes her bad situation and basically teleports to something like heaven. Um, loving family, uh, beautiful surroundings, good friends, um, wonderful childhood memories. Uh, so I can totally see how, like if you're, if you're like slogging through the mud of Eastern Europe, you might be like, man, I want, I want some, I want some escape from this. My apologies to all of our Polish listeners. Is this book about better days? Kind of. Yeah. And Mm, it's, mm. it is, but it's not. Okay. So I'm going to need you to mm with me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm. Nice. Mm. Mm. <laughs> no, Joe, you did it. Joe, you sound. What? I'm sorry. I know what you, you did, like Joe. What? I know what you did. What? Mm. No, you ruined it. Mm. You put in a sarcastic. Mm. No, I didn't. I did. And you ruined it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's totally sarcastic. Well, actually, what happened is my dog was barking outside, so I ran outside <laughs> to get her, and then she was tangled up, and I untangled her, and I ran back in, and I put my headphones on, and you and Ian were going, hmm, mm. <laughs> We're <moving laughs> So I just joined yeah. in. Uh, Joe, how long have you been gone? <laughs> um, I left right after I said the thing about Polish resistance fighters in World War II, oh and then I came back when you guys were humming. Nice. That's a long time Love ago. That. The thing about the the other thing about this book is that like with this with this sort of idealism with this beauty, obviously the beautiful nature descriptions, um, the 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 better days, um, the buildings Roman element of it. Um, I mentioned these two kind of these these the, the brother and sister Matthew and Marilla. Um, and Matthew is just kind of a nice guy. He doesn't have a lot of character development, but Marilla is a really almost as much a main character as Anne is. And Marilla is very common sensey. She's very sensible. And Anne is kind of the opposite. Anne is an idealist and Marilla is very much like a realist. And this book balances Anne's idealism with Marilla's common sense. It's not like everything's going to be perfect forever and life is good. And it's not like life is grim and sepia toned and and we're all going to die miserable and alone. It's allowing Anne to take on some of the sensibility of Marilla and allowing Marilla's sensibleness to be leavened with Anne's lightness so that it ends up balancing these two. Uh, it's really, it's a really uplifting. It's a really real treat to read. It's just, it's just pleasant. It's one of the most wholesome, like not downer books I've read this, despite the fact that it's, as I mentioned, it's really like, there's a lot of sad stuff that kind of happens over time. Cause that's what, that's life. Life has sorrow in it. Is it like a buddy cop movie? Like it sounds like, is it like two mismatched personalities that build on each other and keep each other? Yeah. Up? Yeah. I think. Do they buildings remind on each other? Yeah. Uh, okay. I think a good buddy cop um, or, or any, any buddy movie, like you're two, right. your odd couple, they're going to clash and that's going to be the source of a lot of humor, but also they're going to start to rub off on each other. They'll start to affect each other. And I think that's a good comparison. The National Book Awards, as we record this, the National Book Award uh, uh, winners were announced recently, and because we previously did National Book Month, we want to um, we want to pay off that tease, if not any other teases. So we will be reading a couple of the National Book Award winners. Yeah. So Ian, next week I'm going to bring the nonfiction winner from this year, all that she carried: the journey of Ashley Sack, a black family keepsake, um, written by Tia Miles. It's a book that follows like a 
uh, family keepsake through three generations. I know nothing about it, but I bet it's going to be good. It won a National Book Award. Nice. <laughs> um, I will be reading uh, yep. the National Book Award winner for fiction, um, Jason Mott's book. And bear with me here. This is kind of complicated. The book is called Hell of a Book. Hell of a Book. Oh, I feel like that's such a cool name. Hell of a Book. Hell of a Book. Lidheads, you can head on over to Apple Podcast or the podcast player of your choice. Uh, also, if you go to you don't know lit podcast.com, you can suggest a theme, suggest a book. We read all of your suggestions. I think that's it. What am I missing? Follow us on social media. Nick posts a bunch of stuff over there that's pretty entertaining and, and genuinely funny a lot of times. So, Nick, good job. Ian, good job. Lucy Maud Montgomery, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Happy Lucy. birthday to you. Maud. Happy she's- birthday. Part of the beauty of this, uh, what this book does is how it talks about childhood passing and the wistfulness that comes along with that, both for the child, like as you, as you guys got older, as you were kids, like growing into your teenage years, you, you probably had moments and you're like, dang, like I'm not a kid anymore. I'm, I'm something else. I'm, I'm turning into like the things that used to be delightful are passing. Um, they're kind of slipping away. And, and you know, if you have a child or you've known kids, like we're teachers, Joe, we see this, like the kids that we see mm-hmm. getting older, realizing like the world is not as magical places. And maybe we thought um, it's wistful. It's, it's nostalgic, but she manages this. Uh, Montgomery manages this beautifully. Um, this is a quote from the last chapter of the book where um, Anne is talking about the future and she uses the image of a bend in the road to describe her willingness to take life as it comes. She says, I'm just as ambitious as ever, only I've changed the object of my ambitions. I've dozens of plans, Marilla. I've been thinking them out for a week. I shall give life here my best, and I believe it will give its best to me in return. When I left high school, my future seemed to stretch out before me like a straight road. I thought I could see along it for many a milestone. Now there is a bend in it. I don't know what lies around the bend, but I'm going to believe that the best does. It has a fascination of its own, that bend, Marilla. I wonder how the road beyond it goes, what there is of green glory and soft checkered light and shadows. What new landscapes, what new beauties, what curves and hills and valleys further on.